On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with a guy who uh, I have become friends with, just an absolute gem, um, Nick Lamoth uh, from The Legends brand right now, but he has an extensive history in direct-to-consumer um, being with the Reebok group. Uh, he worked with Adidas and uh, also in the agency world, and he absolutely brought the goods on this episode. Uh, there's just so much that um, went into this conversation as far as growing another brand, right? Coming from, you know, huge brand world uh, and then growing a brand and uh, the lessons that he's learned uh, in the digital landscape, as well as some of the interesting things that they're trying over at Legends. So uh, I think you guys are going to get a ton out of this one and uh, enjoy. Before we begin, we wanted to let you know some really exciting news and something that we've never talked about before in the podcast. Our team at Mindful Marketing is growing, and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we are looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. Now, on to today's episode. All right, I am here with Nick Lamoth from the Legends brand. Nick, welcome to Secrets of Scaling Your E-Commerce brand. Thanks, Jordan. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, totally, totally. We uh, we nerded out for like the first 15 minutes here just talking all about agency stuff. Nick is uh, originally from the agency world, um, former brand agency, now back on the brand side. Uh, Nick, I'm super pumped about this conversation. Yeah, likewise. I love to hear that we have such uh, such shared, overlapping shared experiences. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are and what you do. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm the CMO here at the Legends brand, um, actually a fairly new hire. So spent uh, the early part of my career with the Adidas group um, on their e-commerce team. So really focused on the Reebok brand in the US. And for a couple of years, they're also helping on the Adidas brand. Um, subsequently, uh, with a couple of business partners, started a digital growth agency, really focused on that small to mid-sized businesses and helping them scale up. Um, and what do you did that consider, for a couple of years. What, what do you consider the small to mid sort of level? Yeah, so we had, we had quite a range, right? So we had uh, some brands who were just starting up and were doing less than a million online and we're trying to figure out what this meant for them. And then we also had some really large brands that were, you know, $100 million brands that were traditionally built in the wholesale world and they were just starting or trying to figure out digital. Mm, and so while transition. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it was smaller mid-size in terms of their overall you know, their overall digital and e-com footprint, but really reputable brands just figuring out how do we do digital, navigate digital a little bit uh, more intelligently from an e-com perspective. Um, and then, yeah, decided it was time to get back on the brand side and really dive in with a single brand. So was fortunate to hook up with the folks here at Legends. Um, we had some connections and relationships from, again, my previous lives, and um, they were looking for someone to help really put some gasoline on the fire here and, and put some multipliers on the business. So came on full time a few months back and um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at now. Cool. And was legends like one of your accounts, like on the, in the agency world? Yeah. So towards the tail end of the agency side, um, legends was a client. Um, again, I knew a few of the folks here from our time when I was back on the East coast with the, uh, with the Reebok brand. Um, so we were working with them for, I don't know, call it six to eight months. Um, and helping them grow. And we were seeing some really good results. And that was when, you know, it all sort of came together that, hey, I'm really loving working on this brand. 
they need someone that can come in and help continue this long-term um, in-house. And uh, it just was a, a great fit. Cool, cool. So, I mean, b- before we started uh, talking on the podcast here, you were talking about how you guys are a team of about 20 people, but you've only really been going for about a year now. Is that right? Yeah, I'd say 2018 was really, the, or sorry, 2019 was the first full year of Legends in this current iteration. So if you rewind oh. the clock, they started and they were, started with socks and we're going to go hard into the accessory game, um, but decided early on there was just a, such a gap in the market in terms of where we from a price point and from a positioning standpoint in the athletic apparel game. So, um, and meaning full scale apparel, not just accessories. So to put a little light on that, um, you know, our price point sits, you know, just below some of the other folks who you would say are these, you know, digitally native vertical brands, some of the Rones and the Vioris of the world. Okay. Um, we're priced just below them, but we're above kind of that core line of the Nikes, Under Armour, Adidas of the world. Now gotcha, those big gotcha. brands obviously have, a broad scale, right? They make for all sorts of channels, but we sit yes. above, I would call those like their core line. Um, so we have a good price point in the market. And then from a style perspective, we think we're doing something pretty unique where we sort of live streetwear inspired, um, have a little bit of an edge to us, um, you know, definitely West Coast inspired. Um, so we, they decided, look, we have something here, let's expand and make this a full head to toe apparel game. And so last year was really year one. Um, and now we roll into, okay, there was definitely product market fit proven last year with the success they had. And now let's see how we can put some multipliers. Cool. So let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about multipliers, um, and talk about some sort of tactical things. So, so what do you do? Just pour a ton of money into paid or, or like, like, how does that look? Yeah. So I think my first uh, steps when I came on was let's make sure we've got the retention engine uh, in line. So uh, that's actually my kind of bread and butter from back in the early days. I owned, you know, email and CRM at some of the brands I worked at. And so I said, look, before we, we're, we're doing a good job acquiring new customers, things look yeah. good. Before we really dump gasoline on the fire, let's make sure that we're set up to, to keep them once we're going to spend the money to, get, to, you know, get them hooked. So I went in and really made sure everything from an email messaging, sequential messaging standpoint, you know, everything from our welcome and onboarding flows to our post-purchase and what's our kind of win back strategy, really yeah. dial that in and make sure we can maximize lifetime value. Um, once we got that in place, and of course, we're always testing and iterating these things, but, you know, at least get our best set of a foundation in the baseline, then it was, let's just turn on some new channels. So it's amazing to me what a brand and what a, a size business was built previous to me joining with just seating some pretty influential folks who have relationships to the brand and paid social advertising. Cool. That was really it. So this was, let's turn on even just branded paid search. Let's get some display retargeting in place. Yeah. You know, we're, we're going to launch, we're, we're close, fingers crossed, waiting for a few things here, but let's try a connected TV campaign. So there's just so many opportunities in the digital direct response space that haven't been tapped yet um, that I'm really excited to really get rolling. And, and more and more you know, come up every day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. It's yeah. Like, and it's like, oh, now we got to learn, uh, or uh, let's test out TikTok or like <laughs> whatever. Yeah, or not. Who knows? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm. I'm. I'm holding on until uh, <laughs> until everything chills out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think even for us, even things that aren't totally um, new and novel, you know, connected TV is is fairly new in the grand yeah. scheme of things. Yeah, yeah. But even things like a proper ambassador program, you know, we don't have, right. We've, we've been really informally folks reach out all the time and want to work with us. We see them, we'll figure something out, but to really do it at scale with some systems and processes in place and see where we can go with it is, um, is really exciting for back half of this year to sort of set that, try some new things and set the foundation. And again, just keep it rolling in next year to make it even bigger. Can you explain to our listeners what connected TV is? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, anyone out there who's done tr more traditional advertising with television, you know, you kind of go to a media planner or a media agency, or maybe you go direct and they say, spend a million dollars with us and we'll put you on all these different television stations uh, in these prime spots. You'll get a mix of these prime time and these off peak. And here's the audience we think we're chasing based on viewership patterns with these different, um, these different, whatever the programming is on these channels. And you push it out there and you hope that you see a bump, but usually takes a couple weeks before you start to really see traffic kind of crank on the, on the digital side, at least. And you get a somewhat of a sense of maybe do some brand recall studies. It's, it's a big spend. You typically see a bump, but it's a little hard to attribute. Yeah. Connected TV is saying, let's take that model and place it where people are streaming and using connected and smart devices to watch content. Um, which allows you to do a few different things. First off, you can target a little more specifically one-to-one -one with the user base. Yeah. Um, because if you think about it, somebody watches an ad on their connected television, so their smart TV through a, I don't know, they call it the Hulu app. Yeah. And while they're watching this, they also open up their phone and check out some, they browse some websites, but it's on the same IP address as the television that they were just watching. So mm, the, gotcha. the kind of trade desk does, hey, this is the same user or the same family of users and they just saw your ad for legends, let's make sure we also serve them some web banners as basically retargeting. Um, and once they actually click through and come to the site, let's stop showing them ads in some channels because you've gotten the traffic, now just chase them through your display retargeting or social retargeting, whatever your other methods or email are. or whatever you've got. Exactly, so it's a little more, it's a little easier to connect the journey across devices and get a true read on attribution. The other interesting thing is, um, in most of these devices or most of these applications, I should say, you can't skip the, the commercial. So certainly you could still walk out of the room, but a lot of these streaming devices, whether you're talking Hulu or, or native device uh, apps to different carriers, they're showing fewer ads and they can't be skipped. So yeah. we're gonna show you a 30 second ad or a 60 second ad and then get you right back to your content, but you, you've gotta watch that ad. So it should, in theory, remove some of the friction of yeah, you, you showed my ad, you know, 100,000 times, but people were changing the channel or they were DVRing it and fast forwarding, which mm. you can't do on these devices. Yeah, you can't do that. So yeah. should increase your true viewership rate and um, also allows you to stitch the journey together digitally a little bit better. Cool. Do you have like a specific app that you're using for attribution for all of that? So we use, we have an agency partner that does the buy for us. They're really like our programmatic partner and they're okay. doing our display retargeting, they have a seat on the trade desk. So instead of going to all the different potential places we can buy our media, they're helping us aggregate that together. And because they're doing it um, with such scale across display and CTV and they're buying the media themselves, yeah. they use some technology that can stitch together with a very high level of um, accuracy that a single user is indeed that single user across devices. So okay. it was this user on laptop, is this user on mobile? And uh, let's make sure we show them relevant messaging. Totally. I think I know the company. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about that offline. <laughs> I was just thinking, I'm like, I just had a sales guy reach out from this massive company to try and sell us on this software. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or maybe they use someone else. Um, let's talk celebrities. So uh, you guys have got some early hits with some celebrities. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Like, like wh why would a brand do that? Yeah. Oh, well, certainly from a brand, I guess the why we do it is, I mean, that exposure is incredible, right? But the, totally. how we do it is a little more unique, I think. Um, there's two parts to it. One, the CEO and co-founder, not co-founder, CEO and founder, uh, his name's Scott of, of Legends. He um, previously started other brands and 
grew them and sold them and, and what have you. So he's got a lot of connections with folks that he's done business with in the past. And he's cool. got a big, uh, big background grassroots experiential marketing. So he's by way has been kind of on the ground talking with folks who are, you know, pretty influential and, and are tied to the brands he's partnered with in the past. Yeah. Um, and honestly, a lot of them, they're, they're just friends at this point and they'll reach out and say, Hey, I see you're doing this thing. The gear looks great. Yeah. Can you send me some, some gear? And we do no strings attached and it typically ends up making its way onto, you know, the Instagram feed or whatever it might be, which is great. Um, the other part of it is we actually have a subset of investors in the brand who are current and former athletes among other ah. you know, strategic investors, but folks like Steve Nash, uh, for example. So, oh. Um, do you know I'm you know, Canadian? He's, I can certainly tell you're Canadian. He's almost a neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I picked that up. My wife's Canadian, so I picked up on that right away when we started oh, talking. I knew you were Canadian. <laughs> um, but yeah, so folks like that who are actually invested in the brand and believe in oh, the cool. brand. And, and so certainly we tap into their networks and, and themselves. So yeah. Steve um, is an incredible investor. Like, I just can't, I, I love seeing that with, like, we've got some, some of the local celebrities here, like the local sports guys who just seem like they, like they get it, you know, like, like sports yeah. had that, that little bit of time. Right. And now it's like, okay, let's start investing in, in companies. And well, it's amazing when you start to see, there's been a lot of stories about this over the last, I don't know, two or three years of so many of the, the high profile athletes who want to be more than athletes and not even, you know, you hear that often in a social perspective in social causes, but also just from a business perspective, sure. They play basketball or football or whatever it might be, but yeah. they want to, they understand that retirement is a real thing that comes earlier in life when you're an athlete than it does in other industries. And they want to stay relevant, stay, uh, you know, investing in things that are diverse. And so, across the board, you see athletes investing in whether it's media companies or product companies, totally. or they're creating their own content. Um, and so it's great for them, but it's also opened up a lot of doors for emerging brands who, you know, can hook in with an, uh, an athlete or a set of athletes that is really authentic to them and say, here's where we're going. If we do that, we, we know we're going to, we're going to be successful here, but if we do this together, um, yeah. we're going to be exponentially more successful because of your influence. And so come in as a partner and let's do this together. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, you get like a built-in sort of influencer. I actually, I recently had um, Chris Gronkowski on the podcast. Yeah. Um, who, his brother now bought out A-Rod um, to be part of uh, the company with him on Ice Shaker. Um, so that that's super, super interesting because when he went on Shark Tank for the first time, he didn't really use, I mean, his brothers came on with him, but he didn't really use their notoriety, right? Right. Um, comparatively to what he's doing now right yeah and yeah really and he certainly could have because rob i mean if there's one thing so i'm i'm a native new englander i just moved to la a month not even a month ago and so oh, okay. there's one thing that being out there you see the pull that rob had i mean he's obviously back now but um the things he would endorse where it just went crazy he was such a good personality and he really got behind his products that he whether they're his own products or the partner brands that he was working with yeah um and i think he was one of the guys that you, you read about some of these athletes who they only live on their endorsement money um, yes. until they retire. And I'm pretty sure he's one of them as well. He is, he is totally. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a, it was a super interesting conversation with Chris uh, on that and how sort of how they grew uh, or how they, how they continue to grow that brand. Um, I just find it, I find it very interesting because we've, you know, we've been living in this world of like the micro influencer for a while now. Um, but there really is something to be said for making those those big kind of buys. Um, I think I was telling you before the podcast, I had this uh, CMO of Movement Watches on. And he was saying actually one of the hardest things that they did was um, at the beginning was get a spot with Kylie Jenner. Um, yeah. And uh, I think it's Kylie Jenner. Yeah. And um, 
and what a pain that was and how it didn't really yield what they thought it was going to yield. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely something to be said about it being genuine and authentic, right? To the same way, um, it's hard to build these relationships and you've got to do it over time. And we're fortunate that Scott's got so many of these relationships just built in from his, his dealings over the years. But again, these folks come to us and say, Hey, we love your gear. We give it to them and we, we don't ask for anything. It's sure. Like we'd love to help you out. Hope you okay. like the gear. We actually get feedback. All of our gear is athlete tested. So we've got a great relationship with a place here in LA called the sports Academy, where a lot of, uh, athletes train, um, professional athletes train. Oh, cool. And so oh. we bring our gear there. It's tested and tried. We get a lot of great feedback and that's kind of how we build our line. So, um, by nature, you know, we interact with these folks at sports Academy, we give them the gear and then they actually come back and say, Hey, that stuff was, was pretty great. And cool. I'd love some, and can you get a couple extra for my teammates? And, and before you know it, um, you know, they're kind of lining up and asking for more. So it's been great. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I just want to just pause for one sec. Uh, and um, hopefully everybody's kind of getting this, <clears throat> this tidbit here. For me, I'm getting this tidbit being especially a founder and, and CEO and CMO, that your connections are worth so much to you, not in a way to like use people, because I, I hate that. I hate that idea. But the more connections that you can make, the more that you can like have these synergies with, with these people, right? And maybe one of them wants to invest in your company, and then you want to sort of leverage the power that they have. These connections are so ridiculously powerful. Um, so don't just throw away these connections that you get. They're so important. And I would say it carries into media as well, right? Like the, the, the connections, it's all about the authenticity, right? So anytime you have a friendship or, or a relationship, it's about how authentic is that relationship and what are you, what's the, the value and what are you giving and taking from each other to keep it healthy. Um, but the same thing applies for media, you know, you can go buy a sponsorship on a podcast and be the presenting sponsor. Um, but it's about more than just the dollars you put into it. It's about, did you build a relationship with the host? What are they doing ongoing? How are you ingraining them into your brand before other, more than just saying, Hey, here's a, here's a hundred grand that will, you know, we'll be the lead sponsor of your show for yeah. X amount of, of, of episodes. It's, can we give you some gear? Um, hey, can we have you out to an event? We're hosting an event. We don't want you to publicize it. We just want you to come to the event and actually learn a bit about our brand and be a little more ingrained with what we're doing, right? Really building people and bringing them into the family and building a true relationship, no matter if it's a, a celebrity or a micro-influencer or a media partner, the more people that can kind of believe in your brand and, and have it be really authentic is where you're going to get um, the long-term scale out of it. Totally. And I think what, what you're going to get there too, in sort of a selfish sort of way is you're going to get a lot of free pub publicity out of that too, right? When it's authentic sure. and they love you and you really have a real relationship, it, the stuff's just going to come, right? It's just, Hey guys, just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at mindful marketing is growing and we have room for one new brand a month. That's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we are only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply to start the process today. Now, back to today's episode. Um, yeah. Let's talk about what else is working right now. So, so retention, what can, can we talk retention? It's not something we've really talked a ton about on this podcast before. What's your aim as far as your returning customer rate is concerned? Yeah. So it's interesting. We're, we're in the really early phases given I, I gave you the lifespan, you know, this is really year two. Um, but so many of our customers have been acquired in the last six months. And again, when you're talking apparel and athletic apparel, you're not probably buying every 60 days. And if you are, you're, you're probably diverse across the brands, right? Not, not every, most people don't open their closet and have 
a closet full of legends or even a closet full of Nike or, or Lululemon. It's, they've yeah. got a few pieces from each brand. Yeah. So we aren't yet at the point where we're saying, what's our real baseline of repeat rate? You know, I'd love to see something like a 25 to 30% repeat rate, you know, in a given year, that many percent, yeah. that percent of our order should be from repeat customers. But because we're so heavy on acquisition right now and in high growth mode, we're really over indexing on acquisition. Totally. So I'm actually starting to look at, you know, how do we really dial in our lifetime value? And then what's that CAC to lifetime value ratio? Um, and again, right now we're going to be understated on lifetime value because so many folks have just had time to make one purchase. Yeah. But if we can start to look at it in cohorts and say the people who made their first purchase back in May or June or, or even you know, April, what's the rate at which they're coming back? How quickly and how is their lifetime value really kind of moving forward? And we can start to understand, hey, if we get somebody to come back and purchase a second time, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the predicted lifetime value of these folks now? And, and it starts to get really interesting. Totally. Totally. And so, I mean, for people who are listening, who are kind of new to the acquisition game, the big reason for figuring all this stuff out is so you can figure out how much to acquire a customer at so that you can figure out how much money you can spend before you go bankrupt. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'd say like the or, old, I don't want to say the old model, but you know, one model that is, I guess, more traditional and easier to understand is you just look at your return on your ad spend. I know I can send out this many yeah. dollars if I'm getting this many back yeah. and how profitable do I need to be? That's the um, easiest but, way to, to figure out at least your just front end acquisition cost. Right? right. And like cash flow, like how much money is coming in for how much is going out, all of that. Right. Yeah. But if you, you can limit yourself a little bit if you base it off of that metric, um, because you're looking at basically the first purchase or a single purchase um, valuation. Whereas if you say, sure, I can spend two stupid numbers, I can spend $50 and get a hundred dollar purchase, you know, for every hundred dollars coming in the door, I spent 50 out. So it's, you know, a two to one in your return on ad spend might not look that sexy, but if you're saying sure, but that hundred dollars was one purchase and uh, cause that's my AOV, but I know that that customer is going to come back and buy three more times in the next six months. And now my, my profit margin is 60%. Yeah. You can start yeah. to do your math and figure, okay, sure. I spent 50 bucks to get that one order and it was only a two to one but it's actually uh, you know, a four to one or five to one over the next few months if I, if I play my cards right. And you start to unlock and understand where you can spend and really scale out. Totally. Uh, we've, we've just been posting a little bit uh, on our social channels and for, for myself with my personal uh, brand and sort of stuff um, about a launch that we just did with our clothing company where in one day we did 200K um, on a, and that wasn't a sale, that was just like a new product launch. Never seen numbers like, like that outside of like Black Friday, right? Yeah. And, uh, and interestingly, we decided not to run any ads during it, even though like, you know, we've definitely built this company with paid media and um, we didn't run ads, but all my retargeting is always going, right? I always keep all this sure. retargeting and retention and all of those levels are always going. So our return on ad spend was 111 over that week. Wow. <laughs> and, wow. <laughs> which is like something you just, you just don't see those kind of numbers. Yeah. So I, so I posted it on LinkedIn just to, letting people know this isn't something like you can never expect this, but it's because of all the legwork of the acquisition on the front end, right? Like we weren't acquiring customers at 111 return on ad spend. Like maybe we were, we were acquiring them at three or four, which is still great. Um, yep. But it's because of that, that we can then um, launch a new collection and have just absolutely mental numbers. Sure. And then, you know, you know, if you're keeping track of your lifetime value, the, all that, that delta between the, you know, the three to one that is real new customer acquisition, all that extra is just pumping into your lifetime value. And now yes. depending on what your predicted ratio is, right? So if you say, I want a, a four to one lifetime value to CAC ratio, well, if you just added 
30 bucks per person on your lifetime value because of that launch, that just increased your tolerance to be able to, to acquire at a higher rate. Totally, right? totally. So it then just, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's great. They're like, seriously, such good stuff. I hope people uh, who are listening to this are sort of understanding, like maybe you can actually spend a lot more than you think to get into some different markets or some different segments um, because these people are actually going to come back eventually if you cash flow wise can handle that, right? Sure. And that's yeah. the difference between you know, absolute bootstrapping and somebody, you know, sounds like the founder there and having investors is a little bit farther along cash wise. Yeah, for sure. You've got to have the means to do it. And and definitely in the early stages, you're dialed in on that return on ad spend because you've got to get the dollars coming in the door for those dollars that are going out. But it just speaks, if you step back and even for those folks who may have a little difficulty, you know, this is a little new to them and they aren't as nuanced to understand what's the LTV to CAC ratio, what should it be? You know, you can learn that with a little bit of research, but if you just think of a bigger picture, get your retention dialed in. Make sure that after someone has purchased a product from you, even before they get the product in hand, you're making it a great experience. So I like to say, when somebody buys from us for the very first time, before they've even gotten the product, I like to send them an email that says, that gets them excited about the product, whatever the messaging is for you. So that, you know, I read some crazy stat and I don't know if it still holds true. It was you know, a year ago that said something like, you know, 50% of all purchases are met with buyer's remorse when they're bought online immediately mm. before they've even gotten the item. They just purchased it and they thought, oh man, was that an impulse buy? Like, do I really need that? There's so many of these brands I'm discovering on Instagram. Is this legit? It already, the clock is already ticking in their mind. Was this the right purchase? So if your shipping times are three weeks, that has just exacerbated the process, the mm-hmm. problem, right? That's or if they get point. it, there's all these things that can make it that much harder to get you to win them back. But yeah. if you right out of the gate, you know, product just went out the door. We know it's going to be in their house within 10 days, halfway between there, send them another message that talks about how excited that gets them excited for this item. You've already broken down some of those barriers. So when it lands, they're not opening the product thinking, Oh crap, I hope this is what I wanted. They're thinking, I can't wait to open this. This is going to be great. Totally. Just get ahead of it. And then what's your sequential messaging from there and trying to win them back. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, we've got, uh, I, I've got two thoughts on that just cause I feel like this is such a good back and forth conversation today. <laughs> yeah, go for um, it. Uh, one of the podcast guests that we've had, uh, recently, um, David Wax from handwritten. Um, so they actually, uh, they have robots that write handwritten cards with ballpoint pens. Um, what a great way, especially if you have some, if you have some shipping delays to be able to send them a handwritten card in the meantime, letting them know, you know, that $3 that you're going to spend shipping that, that card out to them is just astronomical. Um, the return that you're going to get on that. The second one, and one that we've been testing, we've done about 2000 of these um, at our clothing company is um, doing personalized videos um, back to customers. Um, And I don't even know how to measure it. I wish I (laughs) I knew that agency. I I wish that there was some way, I know I can figure it out somehow, but really can I? Because these personalized videos are astounding. The the responses that we get back, oh my gosh, you said my name, my order, and so we sent out about 2000 of these. Um, and that to me is, again, it's just taking it that one step further, right? How are you systemizing that? Like, how are you able to get that many videos out? Like, what is it just like, hey, I'm going to block off every Friday and crank through videos or? No, I'm just really good at systems. <laughs> so, <Okay. laughs> so, so, so we're actually, we're offering this as a service um, to, to brands because we think that it's that powerful. Um, yes. So it's just a whole, it's a whole system that we built out. Um, where we're actually, we have employees who are going to do it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I love that. I'm, I'm definitely like a, I'm a little bit of a, like a testing nerd. So I'm already going through my head. How would we do that? Well, we would just isolate everybody whose first purchase was a Luca short. Cause that's our like 
that's our core short. Okay. And then yeah. we'd split that audience in half and just say, send a video to the half of the Luca buyers and not yes. the other half. And then two months from now, let's see the lifetime value. You know, the, you're already starting like the wheels are spinning here. Of course. That's a, why didn't <laughs> I think of that? <laughs> great. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, okay. I got to ask you the question I ask every guest. What is your secret to scaling? Oh boy. Um, I actually think I just touched on it. It's testing for me, right? Mm. So I think the reality is you've got, Again, you, you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, every day or every week, there's a new channel. Um, and there's one kind of school of thought that is focused and pick your three or four channels that you're going to go hard in and scale them. Um, and certainly everybody's got their baseline, you know, two or three. Everyone's going to be running ads on Facebook and Instagram and everyone's going to have retargeting, whatever that is. Um, but for me, it's really testing. I want to throw money at two new channels a month. And some of them are going to feel really weird and they're, it might even not really feel like a total fit from a brand perspective, but you don't know till you try it. Um, we might do something with folks in esports and esports gaming, right? They're not athletic. They're not true athletes in the traditional sense. It's yeah. a different vibe, but maybe it's going to work for us. So let's just try it. And for me, it's test a bunch of things, be okay, failing as long as you learn from it. Um, and always bake into, I bake it into my budget for every single month that I've got a testing budget. And if something hits that there'll be a new line item starting the following month. So that's really the key. That is gold. That is absolute gold. Um, it's, it's, it's I'm huge. stealing it. I'm stealing what you just said. So. <laughs> You're going to hear me it's say huge. that all the time now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Testing is testing's where it's at. It's the only way. Yeah. I always, that somebody you're, you're going to find something. The first person who tried influencer marketing didn't know it was going to hit right. And, oh, did, and it totally. became the next thing. So you've got to always be on the edge of, and the other, I think a part of that is I, I shouldn't say this is going to get me like in trouble. My inbox is going to be flooded, but I read every like cold call, a cold email that comes to me from a salesperson that some company have never heard. I at least click the link and look at the company and research to see if there could be a fit. It's a pain in the butt. And there's a lot of them that come in yeah. that you never know when you're going to look at something and say, that could be kind of interesting. Why not try it? And so, you know, especially when you have a busy day and you just got five emails from people you've never heard of before. And they're saying, can we set up a time to call? rather than delete it, at least look at the company and see if it's worth testing um, because you're, you're going to find some interesting nuggets that could help you grow your business. Interesting. That is not the advice I was thinking you were going to say. <laughs> okay. Well, what did you think? <laughs> no, no, I just, I just wouldn't have expected that. Like, <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm a huge sales nerd. I love, um, I'll, I'll take, if somebody has a good cold outreach to me, because of course I get like a billion cold outreaches. If somebody has a good cold outreach to me, it, re it reaches my primary inbox and it's especially personalized videos for me. I'll take the sales call. Cause I'm just yep. like, you put in way too much effort for me not to at least acknowledge you and, and then have a relationship, you yeah. know? Yeah, totally. Um, as, as CEOs of, of companies and founders of people who are listening to this and maybe CMOs, you've got to know, like we talked about before, those, that, those relationships could actually turn into something, right? They're not just oh, for sure. sleazy salespeople. They, they legitimately believe in what they're doing and they could actually have a solution for you. 100%. Yeah, they've got a product or a service and it might not it might not even be the right fit for your brand right now. Um, but you're going to either the shape of your business is going to change, the technology of the service they're offering is going to change and evolve, or you're going to leave the brand you're at and you're going to need a different, uh, you know, different solution. So it's definitely good to keep the digital Rolodex. And, you know, again, LinkedIn, some people are, have gripes with LinkedIn starting to feel spammy and, and overly done with sales, but there's real value there. If you can, you know, find the right folks that have real value to offer. And again, maybe it's not even for what you're looking right now, but um, that's the digital Rolodex that becomes important down the line. Totally. And that's how we connected. For sure. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's great. It's, it's, there's been more than one uh, very beneficial door that's been opened via something like LinkedIn and it's, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Uh, we're going to go to our lightning round. 
And yeah, uh, yeah let's do this. Cause I, I feel like you and I could probably just chat marketing for the next two hours, but you know, <laughs> we've, we've got the gold, right? The gold is there. <laughs> let's share the gold. Uh, favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Um, it, it's gotta be Klaviyo for me. I think that's pretty common, but as somebody who kind of came up in the email marketing world, um, it, they make it so easy to do everything in the Shopify ecosystem, which is what we're on. So it's gotta be Klaviyo. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I, do, I do have to say, I, I interviewed um, the CMO at Battlebox uh, recently, and uh, they switched from Klaviyo just because of the cost. Um, and they have, they have like five brands. I can't even imagine how many millions of emails. Uh, yeah. They switched back to MailChimp. <laughs> Oh boy, that's I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> I just I bring it up because it's hilarious. They they basically said they spent about a week programming Mailchimp to do exactly what Clavio does. Out of the box, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, favorite podcast that you're listening to right now? Um, so I was recently listening to one, and now of course the actual name of it's going to escape me, but the the host, um, his name is uh, I'm gonna might even butcher his name. I think it's Moise Ali. So he was one of the founders of, he's the founder of, um, uh, not me, oh gosh, now I'm sounding like I don't actually listen to the show. Um, uh, I'll, I'll have to follow up with you. It was a great, he did about eight episodes and it was phenomenal. Okay, okay. It, was, it was my every Thursday morning, that was when I walked the dog, I was listening to it. And then uh, they just stopped and I don't know why. I, I like want to reach out to him and, and he had like Nick Sharma on and, and a few other folks that are really kind of on top of their game. Um, and it was phenomenal. Oh, he's the founder of Native. Native. That's what I was thinking. Nature was the word in my mind, but the founder of Native, and he had a podcast oh. that did like eight or ten episodes every week. It was phenomenal. I got so many interesting nuggets from it, and then they stopped publishing them, and a few of them were taken down. I don't know what what happened there, but oh, interesting. come back and do it again. It was great. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, I've always wondered. I, I I actually didn't really realize that he was the founder at Native. I've got a bunch of connections at Native, so they're I think that they're local here too for Vancouver. Uh, they're in Canada, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cool. And founder that you look up to. Ooh, founder. Um, you know what, for you, uh, for a marketing dude, founder or marketing dude that you look up I, to? Well, I just mentioned him. Nick Sharma is somebody who I've been dialed in on lately. Um, so uh, backstory for those who don't know him, he was something like when he was like uh, early 20s, he uh, college wasn't really, he wasn't the typical college student sort of thing, but he figured out how to maneuver the social marketing world and ended up doing a lot of social marketing and influencer marketing for some really big brands and, and actual uh, you know, celebrities who obviously they have their own brand as well. And has sort of dovetailed that into a really interesting career in digital. And uh, he's become quite a thought leader. Um, he works with all sorts of companies. Uh, he was at Hintwater in the early days. Uh, he's with Judy now, which is like the uh, emergency preparedness kits. And he does oh, all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, he's all over the place and he's, he's really smart. Cool. Uh, <laughs> Nick, it was so great to have you on. This is yeah, thanks for fun. having me. This is fun. I like most times I feel like I just make a new friend when I have the podcast. Like, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> yeah, next time I'm in Canada, if these uh, if travel ever becomes really a thing again, because I'm up there often. Well, uh, oh, awesome. What part of Canada are you in? Oh, we're just outside of Vancouver. Uh, so I'm yeah. okay. Well, I'm actually closer now than I usually I might I usually go to Toronto. Oh, okay. That's where your wife is from. Yeah, yeah. She's, okay. she's from outside of Toronto. Yeah. Uh, Nick, where can people find out more about you and poach you from uh, that company? Yeah, sure. So we can definitely find out more about our brand at thelegendsbrand.com. Um, awesome gear and, and apparel and a pretty cool brand we're building. Definitely check it out. And then me personally, you can definitely just find me on LinkedIn. I, I haven't uh, gone down the route of my own podcast or blog yet, um, but find me on LinkedIn, Nick Lamoth. Um, happy to connect and, and see if we can share any more interesting nuggets together. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you, Jordan. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.